Okay, and welcome to episode five of Cult Cinema Catacombs. Um, welcome to the world of video nasties as well as we explore uh, video nasty specifically. One video nasty, uh, which is not a video nasty because of who it stars. It's a video nasty because of what it entails. Uh, joining me, of course, is Mr. Farmer. Hello, everybody. I'm excited. I'm excited. I like this. This is a good... I'm into this. <laughs> Probably less horrifying than Myra Breckenridge was. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends, because it does star Clint Howard. and um... I think that they should have done a role swap. I think Clint Howard should have been in Meyer Breckenridge, <laughs> and I think Rex should have been in this movie. God. That's what I think. <laughs> so the movie that we're talking about is um, a little film from the early 80s, specifically uh, 1982. It's called Evil Speak, and Evil Speak is notorious for being known as a prosecuted video nasty. Now, for those who don't know what a video nasty is, this was set up by the British Board of Film Censors and the Director of Public Prosecutions over in the UK, where they wanted to basically keep tabs on decency in film so it doesn't create any type of depravity or corruption in individuals. Um, in fact, were they, the, were they called video nasties like by the government? They were called video nasties, yes. What? Um, I mean, they didn't start off as that. They uh, it was no. It was started off as being known as the Obscene Publications Act. Yeah, but but, you know what drives people away from something, right? (laughs) Is to call it the Obscene Publications Act. (laughs) I want to watch everything and read everything in that. (laughs) Go out of my way. But then they started calling them video nasties, and of course, you know when you hear video nasty, that that's like the equivalent to our uh, our parents or grandparents sneaking into the basement to listen to a Red Fox album. And, yeah, yeah, because like, oh no, he's he's nasty. Oh, let's go listen to Red Fox. Talk about the shit. They but, get drunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, just just to kind of describe how loosey goosey the. Um, Video Nasty board got what made them realize that maybe that they had to start watching what they were doing sometimes was uh, The Best of the Whorehouse in Texas, starring Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds, almost got prosecuted. And it's only because the title suggested to the uh, the director of public prosecutions that The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas was a pornographic movie. Yeah. So what, they're basing it on titles They were basing it on the title. And then they were just like, okay, no, wait a minute, hold on. (laughs) And they're like, okay, maybe maybe we need to, you know, re-examine the rules here. And, you know, they did. They re-examined the rules, and they still prosecuted movies. But um, it really uh, is not a practice that is done anymore, though. I mean, it was definitely done during the 70s and the 80s. Especially in the 80s. Uh, As a matter of fact, um, it became so infamous worldwide, not only because of just the the name Video Nasties, but um, at the time a BBC series called The Young Ones. Oh, yeah, okay. They dedicated an entire episode to 
video nasties. The episode was called Nasties, and I'll never forget this because this episode was hilarious. Uh, so they, what? They what were does this watch... have to do with uh, Janet Jackson? <laughs> well, you know, you, 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 she got nasty, I guess. So you know, I'm just asking. Yes, um, I remember they they watched a video nasty in the movie, which was a made up movie, but. Um, but uh, I, I can't even remember what the title of it was now. Something. Oh yes, "Sex with the Headless Corpse of the Virgin Astronaut" was the name of the video nasty they were watching. Uh, which Kevin? You know comes... I know that's fake, Roy. <laughs> huh? You know, I know that's fake. Why? We would have already watched it for this damn show. Yeah, real. That's how I know. That just that I just came out of Rick Mayo's brain, basically. So. <laughs> Um, and then I remember there was one episode where um, they thought Bambi was a Disney nasty. I, I'll never forget that. It's that's really funny. <laughs> but um, there are officially, um, if memory serves me right, the grand total of video nasties are seventy-one, and they're divided into different categories. There are prosecuted films, which means that the. Um, the indecency of the movie in the eyes of this board was enough to take the filmmakers to court over and either it resulted in the movie being banned outright or major changes had to be made um, in order to be released. There was the non-prosecuted films which were about to go through the cut uh, through the court cases but then the filmmakers said, you know what, I don't want to deal with that and made the cuts anyway. And then there was the the video nasties themselves, also known as Section Three, um, and these titles could not be prosecuted for obscenity, but were liable to seizure and confiscation under less obscene charges. The movie that we're going to discuss, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the the movie that we're going to discuss to on this episode, Evil Speak, falls under prosecuted films and the movie was 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 prosecuted um and as a matter of fact in order to be released both in the uk and from what i understand even in america they had to trim footage from the movie um in, in the uk they weren't able to release this movie until 1987 and that was after the filmmakers agreed to cut three and a half minutes away from the film uh, when the movie was released in America, the Motion Picture Association of America said, you can't do that, you can't do this, so they had to do trimming here and there as well. We didn't get an uncut version of this movie until 2004. What? Oh, okay, so we did eventually get something. We eventually did get the uncut version, and it was, and it was released both in America and in the UK as well. So we did eventually get the uncut version. Um, in fact, the video that's available through Shop Factory is the uncut version. And I don't think the version that's on Amazon Prime is the uncut version. I think it is the R-rated version. But I do know that somebody uploaded the uncut version of the movie to YouTube to watch. So you can watch the uncut version on YouTube. Okay. Um, okay. And, I mean, honestly, I, you've never seen this one, right? No. Okay. Well, get ready for the um, uh, get 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 ready for the uh, Mr. Howard experience with this one because I have, 
Listen, I am inside of Mr. Howard. I Well, his head's I'm big enough for it, so... Inside of Mr. Howard's tiny little body and ponderous head. I love Clint Howard. I love the work of Clint Howard. I think I spoke last, last episode about how I... I love Clint Howard in The Wraith. Um, <laughs> I love Clint Howard in everything Clint Howard has done. So... I'm ready. I'm always ready for Clint Howard. And the there's thi- nothing, there's no part of me that's not ready for Clint Howard at all times. And, and here's the thing about the Howard brothers, um, with Ron Howard and Clint Howard. I mean, Ron Howard went on to become a very successful film director, won an Oscar and all that jazz. And, and you know, he also was not only on The Andy Griffith Show, but starred on Happy Day, starred in American Graffiti was this kind of awkward, geeky kid. He grew up to be, um, well, um, what's the kind word to put? Ugly beauty, um, I guess, is the kind way to put it. Uh, you, you mean Ron, Ron did? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I think it's more... I, I, uh, uh, oh, he's obviously not leading man. No. Let's just put it that way. No, he's definitely not a leading man, and I'm. I'm you could definitely tell that. And God, I'm going to get some complaints for saying this. Bryce Dallas Howard did not inherit his looks. <laughs> so, no, they were all Clint. Yeah. Oh God. I question paternity. <laughs> She's so, tall. She has the good looks. I'm pretty sure it's Clint. That. Oh, wait, I'm. I'm. I'm hearing from the booth. Oh, oh, I'm thinking of Rex again. No, <laughs> so, that, so then we got Clint Howard. Yes. Um, yeah. Who is the younger brother of Ron Howard. And, you know, he went on to do his own stuff as well. I mean, one of his biggest things on television was not only his involvement in the show Gentle Ben, but he was on a very famous episode of Star Trek, The, uh, the Corbinite Maneuver. Dude, watch giant floating baby head in space. <laughs> he was 45 years old when he filmed that. <laughs> um, but he didn't really go on to have as big of a career as Ron did. Um, but he's went on to have a cult career, a huge cult Define career. Define big, though. He has 246 credits on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> big. Are you meaning to be successful? Because I'll agree with you on that. But I would argue that he has a bigger career than his brother. He definitely I does. I mean, this is politics this is the yet. guy who originated the voice of Rue on Winnie the Pooh for crying out loud. He was the very first voice of Rue in the Winnie the Pooh cartoon. So keep that in your mind when you look at Clint Howard and his Ewok looking face. And imagine that, you know, he was Rue in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he absolutely was. 1977. <laughs> I mean, but he went on to star in a lot of films that have become cult films. I mean, he was in Rock and Roll High School. He was in Harbor Valley PTA. He was in the original Grand Theft Auto. Um, he was in The Wraith. He was in yes, ta- he was in Tango he was. and Cash. He was in Carnosaur. He was in Ticks. He was in um, the Ice Cream Man, which is a huge cult film. Oh, huge! Um, huge. 
I mean, he's done a lot. He even appeared in the Austin Powers movies. So well, you, you, don't don't take away from the fact that he was he was in Gung Ho. He yeah. was in Cocoon. You well, know, he was in some big movies. I mean, well, that was because of his that. brother. That was why his brother his brother has made it a thing to where whatever movie he directs, he finds a role for Clint to play, which means that Clint Howard is now in the Star Wars universe thanks to Solo, a Star Wars story. Swirless, slanderous <laughs> that you're doing against my man Clint Howard right now. He's, Clint and his head are both national treasures and should be inducted into... Uh, he, he should win an Emmy, a Lifetime Achievement um, Oscar. That's what I think he should win for his work on the paper in 1994. Also, Leprechaun 2. <laughs> yeah, if you go look out. at this man's filmography on in film and television, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And I, he is definitely a cult figure. He's one of those. He's he's one of those people where even if you don't know his name, you're going to recognize him when you see him. And so, in in 1981, they decided let's take a chance with grown up adult Clint Howard and give him a starring role in the movie as the lead. Because up until that point, I mean, he was only the lead when he was playing a kid in Gentle Giant and Gentle Ben. He but, was 67 years old when he filmed those movies. <laughs> <laughs> but when he starred in Harper Valley PTA in Rock and Roll High School, he wasn't, you know, the main characters. He was he was supporting characters. So <clears throat> with Evil Speak, they were like, okay, let's cast him as this kid who's picked upon. Um, Evil Speak is definitely a ripoff of Carrie. <sighs> Um, it's, it's, it's set in a, except in this case, it's set in an all boys religious military school. Um, he plays a character by the name of Stanley Cooper Smith. It's a good name. Yes. Great name. I love that name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he's picked upon by not only his fellow students, but also by the priest, by his teachers, by the colonel. You name it, everybody is picking on this guy. Um, in the church, somehow this is in the church as it always is, um, he finds a black mass Bible that happens to be in Latin. So he uses a computer, specifically an Apple IIe, to translate the text, thus creating the Black Mass Bible on the computer for him to perform. I still stand by the the fact that I think this was the alpha version of Don Bluth's (laughs) Dragon's Lair. And when you see the, when you see, even from the trailer, which as, as usual, the, the, the structure is I watch the trailer and then we watch, and then we finish this and then I watch the actual film and then we cut them together. But even from the trailer, it looks like that. Like even the, not even just the computer graphics, but the physical effects. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what's happening here. That's fine. Do we want to talk about you? You mentioned the church. Yes. Do we want to save the church for 
the next issue or do or the next part of this episode, the second half of this episode, or do we want to talk about it now? Probably the second half because right. because it will get a little spoilerish at that point. I'm super into this church, by the way. <laughs> I'm super into the backstory on this church. <laughs> Yeah, there's a great backstory with the church, and we'll get into it on on part two. Um, what I do want to reveal before we we jump into uh, watching this movie is is that I this is an extremely controversial movie. Um, I mean, not only controversial because of um, you know the video nasty element to it and the censorship that the movie had to go through to even be released in the theaters. Uh, there are some homoerotic undertones with it, which, you know, with... with you get with that the, from the trailer real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, with the Catholic Church, that's like, mm-hmm, okay. And this is where Extrafer enters the scene. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are, the pr- our producer. <laughs> I, believe, I believe you said homoerotic. Yes. Oh, my. Homoerotic and Clint Howard, two words you never thought would go together. Oh, you know what? Just a very strategically strategically placed bag over his head, and it does not matter. <laughs> a hole is a um, hole. You mean you? Where are you going to find the parachutes we used to use in gym class? <laughs> in order to do your business, my friend. That's what I want to know. We'll have to make it. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to, you know, go to wherever they have the balloons that get discarded from the Macy's parade and make it out of that. Well, like I said, a hole is a hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, some little tidbits about this movie. If you plan on watching this movie uh, before listening to part two of this, and this will also help you um, when it comes to preparing yourself for this, Mr. Garfield. Um, do know that in the course of this movie, they have Clint Howard wearing a toupee. And the reason being is is because at this point in his life he was all he was bald he was very bald. Yeah, Clint Howard was six years old when he filmed this movie. <laughs> I love the fact that there's no way to gauge Clint Howard's age no. at any point in his career. No, there isn't. Can't tell. He looks the same as he did in Star Trek as he does now. <laughs> it's horrifying. He's like Benjamin Button's disease, but he got stuck at thirty-five. Yeah, pretty he just much. Can't figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, I, it, he was just already so bald as a cue ball that um, he, he was like, "Okay, you need to wear a toupee." The director said. However, the producers of the film refused to pay for his toupee, so he had to go buy his own. <gasps> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> you got to write it off on his taxes. Yeah, pretty though. much, yes. His brother bought it for him. Let's be real. <laughs> now, there's going to be another familiar face in this movie to yes. people, um, and that is the face of the of the satanic leader uh, that that um, that it, you know is tied to the black mass, and uh, that is Richard Mull playing the role of Father Esteban, the satanic oh, yes. leader. Uh, Richard Mall, uh, yes. for, for those who recognize the name, um, he was on the hit 80s series Night Court. <laughs> Sorry. Have lobby and have to do it. I mean, he'll. Uh, I mean, he'll always be known for that show, but he's done a lot of stuff on his own as well. I mean, he was. Um, 
He was actually the face. Uh, he was actually the voice of Two Face Harvey Dent on uh, Batman the uh, the animated series. At one point, he was also the voice of Scorpion for the uh, '90s revival of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a lot of voice work. He's done a lot of television work. He's, um, but he'll always be known for his role as Bull in Night Court. And always, always, always. No matter what he's done in his career. Um, but yeah, he's, um, he's, he's, he's got, he, he's actually for a small of a role that he has in this film, it's very memorable actually. Um, also starring in the movie is, um, a, a character actor by the name of Charles Tyner. Uh, Charles Tyner plays the, the vicious colonel in the movie and, uh, people may, while watching the movie will sit there and go, you know, I, I recognize that guy's face. Who is he? If you watch the 1977 version of Pete's Dragon, he was the father of the hillbilly family, Merle, who was singing with um, with uh, with them about having the bill of sale on Pete's <laughs> life. <clears throat> I'm, I'm really excited for the fact that Don starts in this movie. <laughs> I'm a big, I am a, I'm a legitimately big Don Stark fan. And I, I like the fact that Don Stark is in this film. If you don't know who Don Stark is, if you've ever seen that 70s show, um, he was in he was in that 70s show. He is a long he's a long, long a litany of, of of entries in his IMDB page. Um, he's he's kind of one of those, at least now he's morphed into one of those kind of typecast, kind of goofy uh, uh I, people of importance that maybe aren't that intelligent, mm-hmm. um, kind of typecast that pigeonhole. But you know, he was he was in a ton of episodes of like Curb Your Enthusiasm, and uh, you know, NYPD Blue, Time Cop, the show. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's a good actor, but I never thought I would be able to see him in evil speak. So I'm pretty <laughs> well, just, excited just, for that. Just put like a a a. Um... Mike Brady perm hairdo on his head throughout the whole movie, and it'll just enhance your entire enjoyment of uh, <laughs> of evil speak. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot of familiar faces in here. I mean, yeah, I mean Don Stark was a you know he well he always was a character actor, but um, yeah, he's in this. Uh, Charles, like I said, Charles Tyner is in this. Um, we also have R. G. Armstrong in this movie. Um, R.G. Armstrong is another major character actor from the 70s and the 80s as well. Mm-hmm. Um, those who've ever seen Dick Tracy yep. will recognize him as Pruneface from Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, awesome. and the reason why you'll be able to recognize him is because honestly, in Dick Tracy, he really didn't need any makeup for that role. Um, wow. <laughs> But he was also on Friday the 13th, the television series, um, as Lewis. He was from Trapper John, MD. He was from Dynasty. I mean, he's done a lot of work throughout the the, the late 70s and the 80s, and even into the 90s as well. Uh, I we- love the fact that the, the IMDb page for Evil Speak looks like guys that they said, nah, let's give him a shot. <laughs> 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 Yeah, why not? Throw him in there. Yeah, give him a shot too. This, this, this guy looks good. Throw him in there. 
<laughs> See what happens. <laughs> but he's never had an acting role in a movie before. Nah, yeah, give him a try. Clint Howard can carry this. It'll probably work. <laughs> Famous last words, Clint Howard can carry this. <laughs> Um, some little trivia bits about, uh, evil speak as well. Uh, like I said, you know, it, it, we've already mentioned it's the video nasty and everything, and we are going to review the uncut version. So yes, uh, Andy, I would say watch the version on YouTube so you could see it and it's all of its uncut glory. It's majestic. Right. <laughs> it is strikingly majestic. <laughs> Um, Even from the preview, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm going to love. I'm going to love this. This is, this is something I'm going to love. No. Snubbed at the Golden Globe. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I said, this movie is definitely a ripoff of Carrie. There was a lot of Carrie ripoffs that came out because of the success of Carrie, and this one is probably the most f famous out of all of the Carrie ripoffs that happened, and to cement its status as this bizarre what-the-fuck cult video nasty film, Anton LaVey. David, see, I was, that's what I talked about when I talked about the church. Oh, I <laughs> thought you were talking about the controversy around the church itself. Because I do, there's a, but yes, yes. There's a story true. with that. Yes. I want to save but that LeVay, for part yes. two. Tell, yeah. tell, tell our audience about LaVey. But Anton LaVey, he was the high priest and founder of the Church of Satan. He gave this movie his certificate certification of approval and considered it to be very satanic and considered it to be an accurate depiction of the black mass. And let me tell you, I have, um, for realsies, um, did he, or was he just trying to, to sow mischief? Um, because keep in mind, 81, we're starting to talk about the beginning or, or even into the satanic panic a little bit at that point. Oh, yeah. So, and this movie definitely captures that whole satanic panic f feel also. Yeah, it was, it was it, not only was it atta attaching itself to the coattails of Carrie, but it was it was trying to latch on to the satanic panic and, and make a buck off of it as well. But LeVay was known for trying to sow discord and and basically be the Loki of any situation involved in um, in, involved in the Church of Satan or Satanism. Um, so I'm wondering if he actually liked the movie or if he was just like, yeah, it was great. This is exactly what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Satan, here. Take the Satan. Satan. Um... <laughs> Like totally come to my church. This is exactly what I like. Like, Clint Howard's here with a sword and a computer that talks. Is that bull from Night Court? This is exactly what it's like. <laughs> uh, now the film cost nine hundred thousand dollars to make. It's a lot of money. It was a lot of money for nineteen eighty one, especially for a horror film. And in opening its opening weekend, the film because of the controversy around the movie, it was only allowed to be released in New York and Los Angeles. Because of the controversy around the film with not only its video nasty status, but its endorsement from Anton LaVey, <laughs> in, it, in those two theaters, it grossed opening weekend $400,000. See, so, that's how that, it, it worked. That's so how it, it works. So it became this film that people had to see to believe, so they released it into more theaters. It didn't last that long because 
of protests around the movie because of its subject matters and some of the stuff that's depicted in the movie, which I'm going to say for Andy because I want him to see it, to believe it. Um, I, I, we'll get into more of it in the second half. It did not last long in the theater, but it did make its money back. Um, I mean, we look back at Evil Speak today, and it's ridiculous. But um, back then, it, it, I mean, this was during the time with not only the Satanic Panic and the rise of Satanism, but it was also where Dungeons & Dragons was seen as a mm-hmm. gateway drug into Satanism. This kind of t- touches on that as well. I, it's, it's a ridiculous-looking movie today, but it's also aged like a fine cheese. So, oh. <laughs> so um, I, I think you're going to have fun with this one, Andy. This one is, is one of those films where you're going to be like, oh, my God, why wasn't I alive to see this in the theater just to watch the reaction oh. from the audience? <laughs> I was alive. I just don't know if I would have been allowed to go at five years old. Oh, no, to, neither one of us would have been allowed to go see this movie in the theater. So. Uh, I've seen some, if, if you've heard anything I used to do on, on USG, you uh, would be shocked at some of the movies that, I, like, Dad sat me on his knee and said, Son, we're going to watch uh, We're gonna watch The Thing. You're, set, you're six years old, you can handle it. <laughs> Yeah, they made him. They made him draw on the line about the the about a black mass being performed on the campus of a military Catholic school. So it would it would have probably been the military Catholic school, not the black mass. That <laughs> 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 threw my parents. You can't watch that. Same reason we don't let you watch Stripes. <laughs> All right, Andy, you ready to dive into this movie? Yeah. Are we going to play the trailer? We should play. Oh the God, yes. I think the trailer has enough in it that we should play. Well, especially for that chant of evil speech. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so when we can so, hear the computer voice and Richard Mull. Yes. So if you want to watch this movie as well, you can go ahead and press pause here. Like I said, I if you have Amazon Prime, it is on Amazon Prime, but I actually highly encourage you go watch the version that's for free on YouTube because that is the uncensored version of the movie. But we'll be right back and uh, discuss our reaction. God forbid you should deprive yourself of all the glory. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, mean, if you're going in, you might as well go all in. You might as well go all in on this movie and see why it was deemed a video nasty. So, alrighty, guys. We'll be right back and we will discuss um, our reactions to Evil Speak. Be right back. Everyone's known a boy like Stanley Coopersmith. Evil speak. He's the kid everyone used to pick on. Screwed up for the last time, Cooper Dick. Evil speak. You see, everyone thought Stanley was a joke. <laughs> An outcast with no one to turn to. You guys broke my catapult. You're gonna pay for that. No one except man's most advanced machine. Stanley used the power of man to call on the powers of evil. I, Stanley Coopersmith, command you! Oh my god. And all hell broke loose. Creatures with your strength and force, let them avenge me. Evil 
speak. Okay, and we're back. Um, yeah. Before before we begin, I just want to let a little disclaimer for people who did watch the version on YouTube. That's not the director's cut. As hard as it is to believe, that is not the director's cut. There's actually five minutes missing from the cut that's on YouTube and also on Amazon Prime. So I guess the only way to get the uncut version is to buy the Blu-ray. But yeah, there's oh, five. It adds so much to the story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's five extra minutes that's deleted, and um, I will I will let you know that part of that five minutes is not more of um, Mr. Howard's ass that we saw in um, <laughs> the shower there. So um, anyway, um, Andy. Yeah. And, God, did you do cocaine also? I did. I did cocaine. It was called it was called the Mall Express. <laughs> I came with a sword and a fan that blew up in my face and awesome computer graphics and a soundtrack that I'm pretty sure uh, is uh, Andrew Lloyd, Lloyd Webber by way of Oingo Boingo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so good. I got a pig army in my backyard <laughs> right now. Um, I got a I got a weird boobs uh, dominatrix second secretary trying to pry every book cover off for no apparent reason. I am ready to do to talk about this movie. So I take it you didn't like it. I hated it. It was the worst. <laughs> it was it was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. This is the first time I'm going to say this. For real, thank you for making me watch this film. I could not be more happy that you made me watch this atrocity of nonsensical movie salad that you made me watch. It was so good. It reminded me of every movie I rented based on the cover art from Hollywood Video when I was like 15 years old. Oh. So, so good. And the thing is, is that on the cover of this movie, uh, which honestly, the cover of the of the uh, of the artwork for this film, the poster artwork, it looks like a Def Leppard album. It does. Uh, it looks <laughs> like a Slayer album. It's so good. You can't even tell that that's Clint Howard because it looks nothing like Clint Howard. And yeah, it definitely looks like a heavy metal album. It really does. And you ju you're just ready for the hair metal to begin, which there's unfortunately none of in this movie and it would have fit so well with this film i don't know i don't know i think it would have been too much i think that they did it exactly right well we yeah. had the we had the the omen music which is which always yeah. helps synthesized satanic chanting somehow did it for me <laughs> with this really really keyed me into what was going on <laughs> I don't know. Like I was reading, people were saying that it was boring or it lacked in some parts. I didn't find it boring at all. I I found it, it an hour and a half of my time very well spent. Um, boobs and swords and fire and uh, Clint Howard evoking his best. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey, uh, what's his name? What's his name? God, you'll kill me. This is a cult cinema show. Uh, the guy who did it, uh, Reanimator. Oh, uh, the guy who did Mordred. Oh, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Combs. 
Jeffrey Combs doing his best Jeffrey Combs eyes the entire thing. Just just like eraser heading himself all over. <laughs> it was such a weird movie, dude. Just rampant homoeroticism. Okay, just, yeah. Yeah, so let's go with Let's start yeah, there. Let's, yeah. Let's start there. Let's start there. Let's start That's there fine. with the homoeroticism. I mean, sh- the the shower scene aside, where we see the basically the entire cast's ass, including Clint Howard and the uh, useless character from What's Happening, who played a useless character in this movie. Also, um, we saw everyone's butt, and that just child's play. For the homoeroticism that's in this movie, I, I I guess you know when you have a religious themed military school, it's going to exist, especially in the eighties. Well, just everybody wanted everybody wanted to have sex with Clint Howard in this movie. <laughs> I don't know why, but every single person just wanted to bang Clint Howard. Everybody from the dean of the school who at one point tells him to assume the position and the camera <laughs> is Myra Breckenridge. So all you see is like <laughs> the the guys, the, the commandant, I don't know, that's what I call him, standing behind Clint Howard, like as Clint Howard bends over in front of him, like, oh, that's what we're doing <laughs> to the eyes wide shut party that they had in the church basement with <laughs> ant masks on everybody wanted to have sex with clint howard so i'm yeah. glad everybody caught up to where i am now so <laughs> and what i loved is you know after the assume the position moment and you know he we find out he's not getting pegged he's just getting whipped um the the, the secretary who's getting off on it in the front of the <laughs> office She's like totally getting off on hearing him get whipped. Yeah, the secretary side plot was the weirdest side plot, and I, I I believe that that only existed to bring the Boar Army into the movie. Well, that and, and also to bring know. in bring in tits because it's like this whole yeah. thing. This is all guys. It's this all guys school. Okay, we showed all the guys ass. We need tits. We got bookended by tits because we had the opening sacrificial ceremony flashback Richard Mull uh, tit scene. Which, by the way, that scene was really confusing because he's out there doing his black church thing. Not like black church, but like, like, you know, the black black mass. Yeah. And the guy comes on the boat and, and I imagine that he's the, you know. He, you know, he says to him, you know, if you continue down this path, you you are lost to us. And that's the last we hear about that. So apparently he just continued down that path. <laughs> well, after decapitating that naked woman, yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is, is that when it comes to that decapitation, like some of the other gore effects in this movie, it was so obviously a, like, wedding cake in the shape of a so woman. Good. Who was that decapitated? So <laughs> they all are like that. Every every decap and there are like ten decapitations. There was a movie. lot of decapitations in this movie. This is what happens. This is what mall ninjas are. This is a this is a movie. Um, the same way that uh, you know, like like your Friday the Thirteenth and your Nightmare on Elm Streets were were uh, movies thinly veiled. Um, 
movies about STDs, you know, and about loose sex. This is a movie about the dangers of mall ninjas. You give you give a nerd outcast a sword, and this is what happens. <laughs> so many decapitations, amazing decapitations. So many amazing decapitations. <laughs> So 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 back to the the breasts because it, it's very notable that we have to talk about them because you had you know this I guess she was supposed to be a virgin sacrifice or something I I don't know uh, you know that and you know she's got a great body and then we cut to the secretary and it's like they purposely hired somebody who was white yet had National Geographic tits here but no Roy okay so. You differ from me. <laughs> you don't in, say. <laughs> in that, in that, I am, I am sixty percent straight. Let's say that on on the Kinsey scale, I am. I, I, I lean towards more the more the straight, right? But you um, got to admit they looked like arrows on a compass. They look. You you you. I need to understand that. <laughs> At 41 years old, this movie was prime time when I was starting to understand the female anatomy. So for me, watching this, it harkened back to 80s boobs. Those are different. Every generation has their own boobs. Like there were 70s boobs, 80s boobs, 90s boobs, right? Mm -hmm. These were straight 80s boobs, man. Like I flash back to... You know, being in the, my dad's shed with an Elder Beerman catalog in the, in the lingerie section in the bras. Like, that was great. Those were great 80s boobs. That's all I'm saying. But, these, but these were asymmetrical. I didn't think yeah, it was like possible said, for breasts to be asymmetrical. Yeah, like I said, boobs were weird in the 80s, dude. It was, it was like the Gumby Bobby Brown hairdo of boobs, basically. Why do you think that so many boob jobs were done in the early 90s? Because <laughs> you had Muppet eyes for boobs. <laughs> and, and, the, and the thing I felt bad about her was just how much they focused on her boobs, too. And it was like there wasn't a shot where they were predominantly there and pointing down to the bathtub. Oh, I, thought, I, had, I, I thought that I, boobs were supposed to be on the front of the body. <laughs> 80s boobs were all over the place, man. 80s boobs were to the right. They're pointing up. That's that's the way it works. I'm a connoisseur of some fine 80s boobs. So basically, and, you're saying uh, 80s boobs were like Marty Feldman's eyeballs. Yeah, they were the ripped horn of boobs. <laughs> that's what they were. What shocked me about that, and I had forgotten. I I had forgotten in my old age and into the 2000s. You know, because in the 2000s and, and, and then into today, if you were going to have nudity, nudity had to have a purpose in a movie, right? Like, the the, the, the days of gratuitous nudity are over. The days of Skinamax have come and gone. Mm-hmm. Like, that. unfortunately, that's just the case. I say unfortunately because I think there's a place in cinema for uh, exploitation in all its forms. I think we need more dick. <laughs> That's what I think we need, just gratuitous dicks in movies. But that isn't happening yet. Ten more years. And then we'll have a resurgence. But she's in the she's in her living room. So backstory on secretary. After she after she um is getting off on, on uh getting a paddling in the other room, she finds the 
the journal, the satanic journal of Richard Mall, which is... <laughs> which honestly looks like it, something she bought at Barnes & Noble, honestly. I, it's like, like, he ordered it from the CW's <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer website. <laughs> um, but but it, uh, she finds this thing, and I guess in further research, she wants to get the jewels out of it. That's why she's prying at the pentagram on it. The There's thing big, is, is they weren't even jewels. They were so obviously marbles in that thing. They were satanic marbles. <laughs> <laughs> they were saying, and she wanted, she wanted them, and she couldn't get them in the office, so she brought the book home, and then started. Work. She walks in from work, which I believe is on the same campus. It looks like it. Yeah, it had to because where else did the pigs come from? But <laughs> it's a good question in general, Roy. Where the hell did the pigs come from? <laughs> she immediately starts trying to pry the, the jewels off of this thing again and then goes, oh, well, strips naked and then walks a flight of stairs and around a corner to get a shower. So she's just in her living room. Like, because that's what I do when I get home. I just walk in and literally just like, oh, boom. Nude. I'm just gonna go change clothes now. You go to where the bathroom is before you do that. Every that's that is an '80s contrivance that I absolutely love. I walk in my house and I'm instantly naked. <laughs> Wait, you mean you don't do that? No, not I anymore. Know they're wrong all the time. <laughs> well, you'll never learn. But yeah, then she gets then she gets uh murdered after after about five minutes of playing well where's waldo with her boobs <laughs> then she gets then she gets boob murdered by a boar army that apparently is real mad at her for trying to get this pentagram off of this thing yeah because first they try attacking clint howard when he's like cleaning and feeding them and then you know they attack her in the shower and which which begs to ask the question what was this m religious military school doing with a bunch of pigs to begin yeah. with, there was no point to them owning these pigs. They, I mean, they were not an ag agricultural school. They weren't raising them for bacon, obviously. Did the pigs transmogrify into demon boars? Because they look like pretty normal pigs in those opening pig sequences. Until I just said out loud. Um, <laughs> and then by the time that they, by the by the time they get to wacky wall walkers in the shower, they are full blown like like orcs should be riding them. Like that's the kind of boars that they are. It's, it's so crazy. We are we are really focused on boobs and boars right now. Story. Well, we're looking at the boobs and we're looking at the boars now. Let's look at the Apple computer. Oh um, my god. Okay. So I, I know that, you know, in the 80s, Hollywood didn't understand computers. This is a prime example of Hollywood not understanding computers because I've never seen an Apple II be able to perfectly translate. It's better than Dragon Naturally Speak. <laughs> I mean, it per not only perfectly translated the text of this of this book that Richard Mall wrote, but apparently in the '80s, computers could be possessed by Satan and satanic spirits, and basically communicate 
outside of the screen, emitting sound effects that sound like they came from Tron, to like twist the neck of F. Murray Abraham or whoever is in the way. Of- listen, listen. Inley <laughs> uh, earlier, whatever that guy's name is, that that was the he might have been my favorite. The drunken custodial. Oh my god! Well, you know every '80s movie had ones, yeah. So, so you had bookends, right? You had, uh, you had friendly cook. (laughs) Yes, the the gruff-looking friendly cook stereotype was there. The unimportant, unnecessary black best friend was there. The bullies were there. The bully teacher was there. The bully priest was there, and the alcoholic man who worked in the basement was there. I don't know if the priest was necessarily a bully. He was an asshole. Okay, he the asshole, asshole priest. <laughs> yeah. But, so, two questions. Number one, why why was he in the basement? Well, look at him. No, but I mean, even <laughs> there. Like, like, they get no reason. He just wanted his crowbar back. He was, like, living in the basement of the church. Like, for no no good reason... Living down there, well, you um, know, he was. Edward is tasked with cleaning the church basement. By the way, how the hell did you not know that there was a labyrinthian satanic church? Yeah, that's a good question because that was not just like a little room off to the side or anything. That was the fucking Paris catacombs. That was, that was an Indiana. That was a below. <laughs> that was a set from an Indiana Jones movie in that church. And he kept finding more rooms. Like he would pull down a tapestry, and there'd be another room behind that. Like, what is going on down here? How did nobody ever find it? Like, like that's that's just. That's just flagrant disregard for your job if you live in the basement and you don't know that's there. Yeah. Or smell the candles burning, because I'm sure that there's plenty of cobwebs and dust that are being burnt by those candles that are lit all over the place, like the fucking final scene in Carrie when Mrs. White has all the candles lit all over the house. My thing is, he goes into the basement the first time, right? Uh Uh-huh. And he goes in, and he goes in, he finds the sub-basement, and he makes it through the sub-basement, and he finds the satanic church area, the rec room. For the Satanic Church, where they hold their AA meetings, <laughs> and and immediately he finds a, 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 a an albeit modern mason jar with a with, with a kindred style. Uh, oh God, that was random! Oh my God, yeah, super random. It was alive, and a thing reaches through the wall and grabs him by the neck, and he stays. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm good. I'm going to stay here and light all these candles. You know, what, you, you know what? This makes me interested in Satan. I almost died, but this super makes me interested in Satan. Now. <laughs> I'm super, super into Satan now. I'm going to light all these candles. <laughs> so, as you mentioned in the first part, this movie was definitely a product of Satanic Panic. And this was in the beginning of the Satanic Panic. Um, and it definitely showed because he was so eager to you know, follow the Church of Satan, and especially when the computer got involved and and everything else. Uh, but what's interesting is is that, um, well, actually, before I get to that point, I do, I do want to mention we, we we made a mention about an, how Anton Lavey supported this movie. Um, the Church itself in this film, 
<clears throat> the church that it was filmed at was an oh, yeah. oh, was, yeah. was an actual condemned church that was declared unholy ground by <laughs> by the Vatican. So they, you know, apparently they were getting ready to tear it down, I guess. But the film crew was like, "Hey, we could use this." So they kind of helped the construction crew tearing it down by just lighting the fucker on fire from the inside they for the big finale. It three days after they wrapped filming. <laughs> so three it's days after like, they wrapped filming, they destroyed the church. Yeah, because it's like they blew it up on the inside. I mean, there was <laughs> there were so many explosions going on during oh the climax. The, oh, the fucking climax was the best thing I've ever <laughs> seen, man. But before we get before we get to the climax, I'm um, gonna have a climax. <laughs> Um, I mean, I mean, there, there's a couple of other things to, to point out. I mean, we were talking about the satanic panic with the movie. Um, the film also, there was just this weirdness going on with it where I know that it was supposed to portray, um, what, what whatever Clint Howard's character is, they, they called her Cum, Cumberdick or something like that in the movie. That was a great name. He has a great character name. And I absolutely, I was thinking about cosplaying his soccer uniform. <laughs> his last name was Cooper Smith. Cooper, Cooper Smith. Smith. Stanley that, Cooper Smith. Stanley Cooper Smith. And, and the joke they called him Cooper Dick. Cooper Smith. Yes. Cooper Smith. So. The thing is, is that, I mean, I, I know that they're supposed to be portraying that, you know, he's heard to Satan and it's bad. But honestly, everyone that he got revenge on in this movie deserved it. And yeah. there was, I, I'm like going, you know, I have no sympathy for everybody dying in this movie because y'all had it coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, also, um, I want to talk about something that's even weirder than that. And that is? That's how into soccer this school was. Oh my god, they were religiously into soccer. <laughs> like super into soccer to the point where uh, old old uh, old, uh, old uh, Reverend Ricardo Matoban had to have a uh, had to have a, a come to Jesus meeting before the big game that, that led to the climax where he warned them that the, at the path they're on that Satan was going to be their coach. Yes. While their coach was standing there, I feel like that was a shot. I feel like that was that was a drag on the coach. That's what I feel like. Yeah, this school was very like Friday night lights into soccer. They really it was like it was it was like soccer controlled the entire school and if it wasn't soccer that that was that was that it was if it wasn't the school's obsession with soccer that was weird, then it was the fact that they had uh, obviously an ex-German Nazi teaching Latin at the school. Super like Project Paperclip. They brought that guy in after the war to teach Latin. You know what was even weirder than that? What's that? How they were all obsessed with uh, Don Stark's mom. Yes. Super obsessed with Don Stark's mom during like family day or whatever that was. Yes, yeah, during the visitation day. It's it's it, it, it's like when uh, what I love is when they were showing off the church and she condescendingly said, "Oh, that's interesting." She's like, "I'm really into this chapel," and she's like, "Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> like what? Her her, like, and her, what? her and her Donna Mills hair going. Oh, that's interesting. Uh. No one in this movie served a single purpose other than the fact that they wanted to hate bang Clint Howard. That's it. <laughs> well, like the entire cast just want, like 
like everybody. Like I, I at one point I'm like, why do they hate him so much? Like why do they hate him so much? That's never explained. Well, it I, is. Well, of, I guess the only reason is is because of him being an orphan at the school, and he's part of yeah. the orphanage program. Well, he should have done it being an orphan anyway. <laughs> Who has? He's he's poor, and they make they make notice of that. They say they say when he's walking with Don Stark's mom that you know this school used to be something, but because enrollment's down now, they've got to accept cases like. Cooper Smith. So they're calling this kid out. How many people go to this school? Seven? Because they're calling him out like to Don Stark's mom. Yeah. Like literally like to Don Stark's mom, they're calling him out. Like, what? <laughs> what is happening in this movie? But yes, yes. Uh, the Oh, and apparently three girls are only allowed on campus and they have to be beauty pageant contestants. Oh my god, that scene. What was that scene? <laughs> that, that was the weirdest shit ever, man. Like, like they're having a weird beauty contest before the big game, and it's only three girls. That they shipped in from God knows where. They never explained where the girls came from. Right. Nobody knows where they came from, but they're, they're, they show up, and it just it's a hard smash cut to this beauty contest. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're in this beauty contest, the reverend is there, and they're like, yeah, ooh, look at them. Mm, who should win? <laughs> and then afterwards, Clint Howard walks up to the ones like, I really think you should have won. You were the best. Oh, that's sweet. Like, Here's some pot. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, oh, you mean it, don't you? And then, like, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose. And speaking of hell breaks loose... The Revenge, which, which is oh my God. which is the which is the ten minute money shot of the movie. I, I, I want before we get there as part of the lead up to the Revenge. I think we need to talk about Esteban, <laughs> Esteban's grave, Esteban's name. Esteban had a good promoter, like brand management. Was all about. It was all yeah. His name was all over the place. If it wasn't flashing on the computer, then it was on his grave, uh, which was one of the catacombs inside the catacomb and you know, his name was all over the place it was in the book and you know he basically when when the black mass is completed and the powers of satan are fully uh brought in and uh, you know <laughs> what's about to happen happens we get to see Esteban's face suddenly get superimposed onto um, Cooper Smith's face, <laughs> and, he, and he gives that awesome monologue about uh, that monotone monologue about "I will help you smile." <laughs> I just want to hear the nightboard theme at that point. <laughs> and then the and then that's when the fan machine turns on the the, Zan oh god, the, the, the Xanadu fan ever. machine. Oh god, I had I had like three fourths of a boner when that fan machine turned on, and it was like his face from the bottom lit lit up with that blue light and his hair is all blowing up and his eyes are rolling back in the back of his head like oh it's so good it now keep so in mind crazy. he was wearing a toupee too so he must have really stitched it in for that scene because it was flowing it was it, it was olivia newton john flowing in that at that point yeah and yeah the Let's... music also at that point with that ah, rah, or whatever it was just 
emphasized what was going on there. It was like it was like literally probably twelve bars from you know from I'm coming out like it was right there like like it could have easily tripped. Oh oh, speaking of Donna Summer, let's talk about the 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 really bizarre Xanadu. The roller disco moment, yes. Oh my god, the roller disco moment that had zero purpose in the movie, other than to, other than to show that they were on leave. And I'm going, okay, so you've got all these military schoolboys that get a night out for leave, and they choose Xanadu. Hmm. <laughs> Just like out of nowhere, like what? This movie's telling us a lot. <laughs> This movie is, is is letting us know some things. Oh yeah, that's that's what I think at least. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's so, just... so. Move on now. Let's move on to uh, to the to the great um, to to the great the greatest revenge scene I've ever seen. This puts Carrie. I'm sorry, but this puts Carrie to shame. <laughs> to start with, I, mean, I we have the the statue of Jesus come to life. And bleed, yes, you know. bleed out black blood all over the place, and then impale the preacher with one of the nails from the cross, which is so a good. great moment to begin with. I was just like, "That's a blasphemous moment we're never going to see again." <laughs> um, and then you know, all literally all hell breaks loose. I will say that there was one thing during the final attack that I'm kind of let down that they didn't do. And that is every time they would show the inside of the church, they always focused on that statue of the angel Gabriel with the spears, you know, destroying whatever it is that he's destroying. Yes. I kind of wish that would have came to life and speared one of the people, like the coach or something. Instead, I mean, we got, you know, still we got some awesome kills during that. But I was waiting for that statue to come to life. I mean, if the statue of Jesus could come to life, the statue of Gabriel can come to life, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. But my my so my favorite part of this thing was so the fire gets set right. Mm -hmm. So the entire church is on fire. All the bullies are trapped inside. The coach is trapped inside. Uh, the oh, the fire wasn't set. It was just this gigantic explosion. Yes, and yes. he comes rising out of the ground like Nomi Malone and Goddess during Showgirls. Fucking brigadier. <laughs> 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 he comes out of the ground. He's he's got the sword, and he's just like cutting people's heads off left and right. And then all of a sudden, you see the walls start to give a little bit, <laughs> and the damn boar army comes through. I'm like, oh hell yes, here we go, bring in the boars. And let's talk about. I mean, the the first smiting that he does, which is to the guy who whipped him. I. I did not know that when you take a sword to a head that it would have the same effect as Gallagher sledging <laughs> a watermelon with a hammer. And it was like it was it was like this giant juicy pinata that just exploded open. It was so good. It was so good. I'm telling you though. I told you this last night. I'm going to tell you it again. My favorite revenge murder is the little skinny brown-haired kid. <laughs> he runs into a hallway, and the two doors are just like flames. Yeah. Like, he can't get through them. But he starts, like, he starts, like, spinning in a circle looking for where to go. <laughs> and going, ah! Ah! And Howard just walks out of nowhere with the sword. 
Now, is it just me or every time you know Clint Howard would come emerging forward through the smoke about to smite everybody, did you not want to hear Samuel L. Jackson saying Ezekiel 25:17 every time he came forward to yeah. smite everybody? Yeah, it would have been great. It would have been great. Like it's so it's they need to I don't say this often, right? But they need to redo this movie, but they need to do it right. Like, the, I, I want to see this movie remade now and updated, but I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it big Hollywood. You know, I want to see it. I want to see it done with practical effects. Yeah. Like, like maybe a Rob Zombie remake of Evil Speak. <laughs> would be, I loved it. I love this damn movie. Well, I mean, Danzing is now making movies. Maybe we could have Danzing remake it. Shit. Or the guy that did Hatchet. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that. This is good. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. Like, my, this is a great movie. I can't suggest it enough. My favorite kill is the confessional, where the guy's trying to crawl through the confessional, and then you see him get you know yanked back in by the pigs. And then he comes out a little bit bloody again, and he gets yanked back in by the pigs. <laughs> and it's like that happens like four times, and then suddenly you see his arm just get spat out of the confessional by the pigs. <laughs> like I'm flying out. <laughs> and it's like it's like the pigs are like, no, this arm's no good. We'll have the rest, but not this arm. Give it to the rats. <laughs> oh God, it was. I can't. It was. It was. It was a great. It was a great movie. It really was a great movie. I can't express enough. Everybody needs to see this thing. <laughs> All right. So that is our discussion on Evil Speak, and now for our sixth episode, we're going in a totally different direction. Um, we're we're going back to the '60s, uh, specifically 1969, and we're going to go into a movie that uh, at the time was very landmark for what it did uh it um is it it it, it would be it was controversial when it came out and it would be still controversial today i mean it dealt with um it, it dealt with draft dodging and all sorts of different things the thing is is that the legacy that this movie has now it's become a forgotten movie despite everything that it accomplished in 1969 but the thing that this movie is now known for is for the meme that it generated thanks to um, the now defunct vine um, app the movie that we're going to look at is called the gay deceivers wow okay I'm into this <laughs> It is about two straight men who find out that they now qualify for the draft and their family is really pushing them to go into the army and they don't want to go to Vietnam. So they decide to, in a weird twist on bosom buddies, pre pre pretend to be a gay couple and move into a gay resident apartment building where all the tenants are gay. And try to put on this ruse that they are a, a happy gay couple, while at the same time sneaking women in behind them, and, and all and hijinks and hilarity ensues. Um, that's the movie we're looking at. For those who are wondering what the meme that this movie inspired, if I say the words peonies and marigolds, you may know the film clip from The Vine that uh, this scene comes from. Um, if not, look it up. And uh, but in our next episode, we will discuss this this movie. And um, and uh, have you have you ever seen it, Andy? 
No, no. I've never seen it. I have never heard of it until now. So I'm, I'm, you've gotten a lot of social credit back with evil speak. Okay. <laughs> you lost a lot of ground there with tiny town. Um, Oh, that was just a hard, that I would have to say out of all the ones we've done so far, that was the most difficult to get through was the terror of tiny yeah. town. Breckenridge, I, 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 you know, Kindred was good. Breckenridge was, Liquid Sky was an experience all to itself. But you've you've gained a lot of social credit with me through Evil Speak. So I'm going to go into this trusting you. <laughs> well, if it if it makes you feel any better, I've never seen this movie either. This is my oh first. dang yeah. Right. I have. Chris is the only one who's seen it. <laughs> yeah, Chris is the only one who's seen it. The only clip that I have seen from this movie is the meme clip. Um, and that's it, but I've never, I've never seen this movie at all. So we're both going in fresh and, and untainted by this film. Look so. what you've done to my fanny. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to come out super tainted. Yeah. We're going to come out super tainted indeed. <laughs> like, like real, real tainted. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm, my body is ready. All righty. So thing. that'll yes, be. <laughs> That'll be our next film there. So, again, you can find us on Facebook uh, for cult, under Cult Cinema Catacombs. You can also find us at the catacombs at Outlook.com as well if you have any questions or film suggestions. And uh, we will see you next time as we explore the gay deceivers. <laughs> <laughs> I had a nickel. <laughs> Talk to you later.